cliffcentral.com. It is time to check in on African analysis with JJ Cornish. This is where we catch up on all the things that are happening around Africa. And he tells us about places like Niger and uh, Ethiopia and all the rest of it. And he's on the line and he's ready to uh, give us all the details. JJ Cornish, good morning. Bonjour to you. And uh, I could have been a, a, a cult figure myself, but I think I, I failed the, the Gareth Cliff test. And uh, I, I don't know, JJ. I know, I know some people who would follow you if you were a cult leader. I'm telling you. Um, it is brought to you this morning by the Johannesburg Business School. Let's see what's happening in the continent of Africa. And there's plenty of news to catch up on. So let's go to Niger because there's apparently a junta. You know what a junta is in Niger? A junta. No, not quite. JJ, a junta is a military dictatorship, right? Generals yes, ruling uh, the country. Indeed. When, once they overthrow the government, they become a, a junta takes over. And in this case, it's Abdurrahman Tachini, uh, who was the presidential guard leader. Now, the reason why he took over was not because things were going pear-shaped in Niger, but because President Bazoum, Mohammed Bazoum wanted to replace him. So he thought, no, I'm not going to lose my job. I'll rather take the government. And he did. Well, the, the neighborhood, that's ECOWAS, 12-nation neighborhood uh, council, said, you better restore constitutionality within a week or we're going to use force. We will use force to uh, restore it for you. And then uh, the some some of the neighborhood, in fact, three members of that grouping who are all putschists, all uh, uh, hunters, uh, said, no, you touch Niger and you touch us. It's, you'll, it'll be a declaration of war against us. That it's is like Bikini, a, like, like a Faso, yeah. gangsters standing up for each other, right? Exactly. If you've read enough Mario Puzo, you'll understand what happened in uh, what's happening in Gambia. But now, uh, and uh, the, the, m most of ECOWAS has uh, applied sanctions. N Nigeria, for example, has stopped power. But there's countries within the the grouping. Uh, the, so the the three that were going to said you would declare war by by uh, hitting on Niger were Burkina Faso, Mali, and Guinea, who themselves have had coups, and they're obviously fearful that if you bring uh, Niger to heel, next thing you do is you're going to turn on us. The fact is now the military junta says that they are going to charge Bazoum with high treason and uh, and with uh, undermining security. And that is because he has sided with those people who want to maybe use force to restore uh, constitutionality in that country. It really is you know, quite... I, 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 I have yeah. to say, I mean, I, I really expected Trevor Gumby to be the most outrageous person on the show this morning. But with uh, people hitting on Niger with putches and hunters, it just <laughs> sounds to me like the really rude stuff is happening in uh, West Africa. But JJ, this is not a great neighborhood to be in. There isn't like an exemplar in that part of the world, is there? Is there a country that has got it right since, you know, all of the oil was discovered or since colonialism ended to the point where they can be held up as... You know, this is a country that's that's getting it right. I mean, Ghana surely is a better example. They're further south than the rest of them, but Ghana's a good example. Ghana's not a bad example. Trevor Gumbi, by the way, I think failed the uh, failed the day, the the, the uh, Dave Carnegie course, didn't he? I mean, he's got personality. Uh, he did, yeah, wasn't, but... wasn't... 
didn't quite make it. The, the, the Ghana is an example because Ghana has undergone a change, a real change of government, in not only the change of president, but the change of party ruling the country. And interestingly, mm -hmm. they were going to have Ghana as one of the members. Uh, Senegal was one of the members, but Senegal is going pear-shaped as we speak. Ghana, a, a pretty good example, but the king of Ghana, uh, 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 he is saying, uh, 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 Otumfo is saying, we cannot have the summit on Gambia in Ghana and to decide whether or not we should use force because we cannot have it that it happens in Ghana that we decide to use force against the Hausa who are our cousins. So the, the big summit at the weekend to, to decide on what to do in Ghana in, in Gambia could not be held in Ghana and they, they have to find a new uh, who's the who's the king or Tumfo? Yes, or Tum do you know that, Trevor? Yes. No, King of Ghana's I, or I didn't know there was a monarchy out there. Um, well, I don't think it's ruled as a monarchy, but you know, he would have oh. a lot of influence. They yeah, uh, have like, uh, 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 like Goodwill's yeah. Venetini. No, no, Tufuado is the president, and uh, he's also saying. Uh, you know, and they, they've had major problems. One of the stories we spoke about with Ghana quite recently was them being bailed out by the uh, IMF. And uh -huh. so the, the fact is, the, the, the two military interventions by uh, ECOWAS uh, against countries that have had unconstitutional changes of government were the Gambia and uh, Liberia. They've, in fact, they've, okay. they have intervened seven times. And who picks up the tab every time this happens, but nothing like old Nigeria. And so there's people within Nigeria saying, hey, we're not going to do it again. This is not quite the same thing. And we're not going to use force because we just can't afford to. Yeah, Nigeria picks up 70% of the tab and, and they just don't have the means to do it right now. So, uh, the, the, of course, the United Nations, uh, uh, the, the United States, and they've been warning, uh, uh, Anthony Blinken is saying, you know, we've got to restore constitutionality. And the African Union has this policy of red carding, excluding then any country that has an unconstitutional change of government. So they brought this in against Niger. And now mm -hmm. this is why the Niger is trying, the, the uh, junta lead is trying desperately to get Mohamed Bazoum to sign a resignation letter. And uh, he uh, he's refusing to do this. So they put him in the basement of the presidential palace. Now, because the power has been cut off to that country, he has no power. He's living on uh, what whatever food he can get, uh, pasta Rats. and rice. Well, uh, I'm not going to say that because I don't want to fear, strike fear or put a band of cold steel around the testicles of your of your major guest today. But uh, Thank he's you, not. I appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. There we go. I've got rats in my garden at the moment. I wondered if you'd like to pop by for a visit. <laughs> but but anyway, so so there there we have it. And he's losing weight, but his doctor says he's in good spirits. His family say no, he's not. He's losing weight absolutely. Uh, but he won't sign this resignation letter. So now they're charging him with high treason, and they believe that if they bring this through as a as a legal matter, then the sanctions against them would have to be lifted because they've dealt with it properly but it's a, it's a it's a complete mess i just can't believe that they've they've got the president the former president of niger is in the basement with nothing to eat and no power i mean let this be a warning right to politicians who think <laughs> that they've uh, 
they've got everything going their way at the moment. It, in, it's obviously, you know, not what we want. Ideally, you want democracy. You want the people to have a voice. All of that stuff is hugely important. And, you know, these military junta's they rule by absolute fear and, yeah. and by, by military decree. And it's just, it's not a very pleasant way to go. But it is, it's kind of bizarre that you have people um, who've been like Obiang Nguema, who's been in charge in, uh, what is it, Equatorial Guinea, uh, JJ, yeah. for, for hundreds of years. And then you've got a guy in Nigeria, or in Niger, rather, sorry, who's, who's locked in his basement with nothing to eat. He was the first president to be properly elected. But not only that, he thought, well, I'll get on side with the cool guys. And he, for example, has they have U.S. drone bases in Niger to mm -hmm. operate against the... You see, what they have is the jihadis in the whole of the Sahel. And mm -hmm. uh, the, the, people, the people who've gone, gone to the streets to support the junta are saying, these are the only people who can fight against, uh, help against the jihadis. But jihadi activity in Niger has increased since the coup because the coup so leaders are so busy bedding down. They're, 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 they're trying to bed down their rule. But France being kicked out of Mali and Burkina Faso and places, where did they retreat to or take their soldiers to? Niger, and they're still there. And now the people are, are apparently the tailors in uh, Niger are doing very well making Russian flags so the oh. demonstrators can carry these flags to say, kick the French troops out. And somebody asked the French government, are you going to take your troops out? And they said, well, no, we're not planning to do that immediately. Well, so so the, we the, the Western yeah. powers are saying, you know, Mohammed Bazoum was good because we had our military establishments there. But uh, now, what are the coup leaders going to do? We hear that they've spoken to the Wagner mercenaries, in other words, the Russian mercenaries. Mm -hmm. But uh, we don't know. When I say pear-shaped, I mean really pear-shaped. Eh? It's amazing. You know, you, you, you learn that adage in political science that power abhors a vacuum. Mm -hmm. But as soon as there's a vacuum, that everything just falls apart. Now, with the French moving out of Mali, and these are unforeseen consequences of the movement of military groups it also shows you <clears throat> how you've got to keep the military on side right jj yeah if you don't as president have a handle on the military they could always be your your biggest enemy it might not be opposition parties it might be the uh the, the, military. the military yeah but there's, well, there's always sorry carry on no no i'm just saying this is how this started when mm. bazoom decided to replace the presidential if you want to keep the military on site make sure that the presidential guard is in your pocket and he was trying to replace the head of the presidential guard next thing he's eating pasta in the basement yeah wow i mean it's a it's a hell of a fall from grace right trevor why do they lock him in the basement bro no are there no prisons in this year Oh, no, he's still in the palace. They can't put him with the rest of the, the prisoners. prisoners. Yes, they can. And then an hour later, say, go home. We're nah, releasing 9,000 others. You don't know how it works in Niger. We're going to put you on. JJ, how easy is it to get to Niger? Have you been there before? No, no, I haven't. Oh. I haven't been in it. It's surrounded. It's landlocked. And, and yeah. uh, you, you know, it's, not, it's well, I mean, it's... Uh, the, the thing about Niger is one, one of the things that are worrying observers is when... Um, uh, Gaddafi, Muammar Gaddafi was overthrown. The weapons moved out of Libya, which is the northern neighbor of Niger, one of the northern neighbors of Niger, all moved into Niger. And we're wondering where this huge arsenal of weapons are and who's going to put them to use. 
Are the, do the military have control of them now? Uh, have they been moved on or sold? So, oh, you know, th that's wow. yet, yet another of the question marks over what's happening in Niger. All right, we, we've taken a huge amount of time up with Niger, but I do want you to quickly talk about uh, what's going on in Ethiopia and also just refer to the AU as the 21st member of the G20. I mean, that sounds like patronizing if ever I've heard it. Hey, we're a group of 20 nations, but we'll give the AU, the whole of Africa, one seat. Well, South Africa's effectively got a seat or was an observer, observer there. You know, the whole, this is an indication of how the whole multilateral makeup of the world is changing. The G20 used to be a meeting of finance ministers and bankers, bankers, mm -hmm. are, you know, the chief bankers, all right? Then suddenly mm -hmm. George Bush brought in all the leaders for one of the meetings. And then Gordon Brown in Britain, the year later, he did it. And then Barack Obama decided to do it too. So G20 changed. Once upon a time, it was the G7. And when Russia was a member of the G8, that decided on these important things. That's why they and had we've already, We've got a UN. I mean, we, this sounds like a substitute UN for just you know, the ones that we well, got that, the minnow. Exactly. You put your finger on it. The members of the UN said, hang on, what do we have these 20 countries deciding on the bigger decisions? That's the big decisions we should be taking. Mm. And that is why, for example, uh, the BRICS uh, became so important because uh, BRICS is taking decisions. Uh, the, the, the G20 represents 85% of the global GDP and 66% uh, of the world's population. BRICS uh, given the numbers, Brazil, India, China, uh, uh, South Africa, uh, and Russia, of course, uh, they they take up almost the same number in 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 in, in percentage wise. So a lot of countries are saying, "Well, they're the third world multilateral forum. We should become members." So the the summit of BRICS next week is going to be talking about expanding BRICS. Uh, to 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 take in a lot of them. Saudi Arabia wants to join. Uh, Iran, even countries like definitely. France or say Iran wants to get in. You know, so so essentially for the G20 to come along now and say to the AU, well, uh, or to Africa, well, you could become a part of the G20. It's a bit mm. late in the day because I think the Africans are going to say, well, hang on, we're part of the we're part of BRICS. Which is which is giving the G the G20 a real run. Although so in terms of we're yep. part of all of this. All this is doing is, is creating things for presidents to do. Like yeah. they're flying from meeting to meeting to meeting, and we're not sure which one of these actually achieves anything. I mean, shouldn't we just focus all our attention on one of them and get that one right? Yeah, because it's like they fly from all over the world to protest against uh, emissions. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. I mean, JJ, which one do you think we should be most uh, interested in here? The G20, uh, BRICS, or the UN? If you well, I, I, of course, I would say the UN, but then you know we've seen that the the holes in the UN. You saw how, for example, years ago at the United Nations, how Britain and France uh, protected us, the apartheid South Africa, uh, against the onslaught of uh, the Russians and the Chinese with their use of the veto. You see how the UN, you know, as much use as a one-legged man at an ass-kicking party in terms of the <laughs> Ukraine war. They, they, what can they do? Russia with a veto can say, no, we're not doing that. So, uh, you know, uh, but I, I'm, a, I'm an inveterate multilateralist and I'm saying that the United Nations should be doing this and it was set up to do this, but it isn't. 
And so countries like, you remember George Bush uh, when, when he decided to take on uh, uh, Iraq and, and countries like yeah. that, uh, and, and yeah. when the UN said no, and, and within the Balkans when they went in, uh, he simply overrode the UN veto. And, and so, and now in, in, no, in the no, Ukraine, no. that's what Please. Russia's doing. Ameri so. America doesn't care what the UN tells it to do, <laughs> and, and neither, frankly, do China and Russia. I mean, it's all just become multilateralism is unfortunately, and I know you say you're an inveterate multilateralist, but the, the whole thing's breaking down a little bit, JJ, because everybody's doing their own thing. And now we've got all these other organizations that seem to be uh, filling the gap again, power abhors a vacuum, right? So I'm yes. afraid we're out of time for this morning. I did want to get to Ethiopia because there are interesting things happening there. And, and just the, the headline here is that there's concern over violence in their Amara region, but it is just after seven. <laughs> so we kind of have to wrap this up. I'm sure I'll be able to talk about Ethiopia next time because it ain't going to get better. No, unfortunately, that's true, isn't it? Oh, man. There's JJ Cornish helping to inject some sense into an otherwise crazy show this morning.